importance too is that if you're defined by your sin, mm -hmm. then our marriage becomes defined by your sin mm -hmm. or mine. Mm -hmm. Where forgiveness lets us be defined by, you know, the work of Jesus, of Jesus Christ, and it, it's it's the way we can keep moving forward mm -hmm. and keep. I can enter back into life tomorrow mm -hmm. with you. Um, even though today we've sinned against each other and it's been a rough day because, you know, I'm um, forgiven and you're forgiven. Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. This episode is part three of a four-part series entitled, What's Your Marriage DNA? Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. Thank you again for tuning in to listen today. Here's Worley and Danina. Hi there. We are doing something different this month where we normally only have one or two podcasts, but we're doing one every week for February as we're focusing on Valentine's and just thinking about marriage and relationships. And we're really um, sharing about what, what makes up the DNA of our own marriage and asking you to think about what's your uh, marriage DNA. And in the last two, we've talked about um, the rule book we, you know, play by. We've talked about friendship. We've talked about expectations. We have talked about vulnerability and um, the cycle of control and avoidance, placing value on one another, being trustworthy and supportive, and kind of talked through all of those scenarios, which were uh, things that I picked. We we chose separately what we were going, what we thought were significant to us, and now these next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about um, some things you've chosen, Morley. So, want to get us started? Yeah. So the first one I picked, picked in, in their single word for these for this podcast today, but is anger. Mm -hmm. That anger has helped our marriage. Yes, it has. <laughs> you know that. Tell us how. That's uh, uh, true, but it's not something you would think would help in a marriage. Mm -hmm. And so I need to say what I'm not saying, and and, and I'm not saying that anger is always good, uh, but I am saying that um, anger is God-given. It's an emotion that we have been given to live with, and it's also something that we need to embrace it for what it is. We need to acknowledge that anger can be very dangerous and very destructive. So why would anger be something that's been good or important in our marriage? Speak out. When we were first married, you might have remembered that I was a really nice guy, right? I remember. <laughs> um, but I think nice in a way that's not strong and that uh, I didn't understand anger. I didn't even know I was doing this, but you know, somewhere along the way, anger was a negative thing or a non, it wasn't a godly thing. And so <clears throat> I was... Um, I, I could keep it pushed down. And people can do that with the emotion of anger, mm -hmm. where, where, where you don't let it come out. 
you don't even, you know, acknowledge it. And so um, I was like so many Christians that I encounter today who don't understand anger. Um, instead of it being something that was a part of my experience, I think I live with a lot of shame, which mm-hmm. was was quiet in the way that it manifests itself. Because somebody can have shame and be raging. Mm-hmm. I wasn't raging, but there was just kind of a lot of shame, a lot of inward, turning inward, um, a fair amount of depression, uh, just being flat. Which is important thing. I mean, we'll say in counseling, just that little saying that anger turned inward equals depression. Yeah. And certainly it's not the only cause of depression. No, but it can be. But <clears throat> but it's certainly, if if your anger is not, if you're not free with it, you don't understand it, it can become depression. And I think that was just true for me. I had no freedom with the anger. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, had a friend say to me, uh, after the anger became a part of my experience, some five or six years into our marriage, he said, Worley's found his anger. And in <clears throat> in a kind of an odd way, it was it was a compliment to me because I was able to live more freely with who God had made me to be. Well, and it gave you more passion. And Yes, and, yeah. and I'm going to mention that because the, the truth is anger had always been present. It's God-given, but I had begun to learn about it and understand it and live more freely with it. Mm-hmm. And even that process of meant that there were times when I was was sinful with my anger and not it wasn't righteous anger it, it was something that I, I had to understand by just living in but Ephesians 4:26 says be angry and do not sin that's one of the most freeing verses for me um because it doesn't excuse anger but it it names anger paul does be angry, but don't sin with your anger. He goes on to say, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity for the devil, for the evil one. So in those couple of verses, he's acknowledging it exists, but he's also saying, don't let it become something that's going to be destructive and do harm. So it's a part of our makeup, and it must be taken seriously. One Professor we had in college, I don't know if you remember this, it was actually Dan Allender who talked about this, and he said that Christians are angry enough in that we're not angry about the right things. Mm -hmm. You know, we can get off on a lot of tangents and then be totally dead towards things that should make us angry. Mm -hmm. Sin against others, sin in ourselves that can cause, that need to be repented of. Um. So basically, that verse, Ephesians 6, or even the comment, you know, by Allender says we must deal with our anger. So all I'm basically saying for our marriage is that the lack of anger, which was, in my case, covered by passivity or shame or depression, was harmful to us. And that as I begin to understand it and live with it, I could engage with what was right and wrong. That's one of the things anger does is it tells you what's right and wrong in a situation. And when there is a presence of anger, I know, okay, something's not right here. Am I correct in my thinking? Maybe I'm not thinking correct. And so I'm misusing my anger for selfishness because I just want what I want. But if I know what, and this goes to what we said 
in our very first podcast on on these DNA for us is that the scriptures are what guides us. And so what does God have to say about something? And so the anger could very well be because of something that is wrong and needs to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. So very helpful emotion, very powerful emotion, Mm -hmm. but very helpful emotion for me. When the anger became a part of my life, I think a strength occurred and a discernment occurred and things began to become aware of because I was free to live with that emotion. What were you going to say? I I just was going to ask you a question about um, when you're talking about dealing with it. I think that's why that scripture from Ephesians would say basically, I mean, saying deal with it before the sun goes down, which, you know, sometimes for couples, I mean, don't, that's not good to take that so literal that we say we're going to stay up all night long and deal with what's going on between us because usually late at night is not a good time to resolve conflict. But it's just saying to, I mean, deal with it quickly before it's festering and growing and turning into, you know, a sinful pattern there. I mean, yeah, I would say it this way. In God's grace, I had to learn, and and I still have to deal with and learn how to manage the anger, to, to live in the Spirit, to appropriately be angry about the right things, and even then to be angry and not sin, but to be angry in love. Mm-hmm. You know, in the same context, he would talk about telling that Paul would tell the truth in love. I would say, be angry in love. Let love be what's best, the best interest of the person you're involved with. And you bring that anger to it. And so if the anger comes up, let's just say the anger comes up, you have to discern, you have to understand what's underneath it and bringing it, and you have to understand is this something that, I mean, what is God's view on what's going on? So if my, you know, if my child is being rebellious towards me, disrespectful towards me, that that's going to, in most mothers and fathers, if their kid's talking back to them, they're going to feel angry. The parent is. Mm-hmm. Well, they should feel angry at the disrespect. Then that in turn guides you as to, hey, this is wrong. And therefore, it requires that I appropriately discipline my child. But but the emotion of anger should be present there rather than I feel nothing or I shut that down. And I, so again, anger has helped us in our marriage in understanding its importance. And I think you, I mean, I'm curious about your thoughts about anger for you know, even you and, you know, you, you, you came into it and were much freer with it than I was. Mm -hmm. But do you have any, any further thoughts on the importance of anger for our marriage? Well, I, I do think about, um, for me, it's been important to not personalize your anger or just, just kind of if you're irritated Mm -hmm. or maybe you're a little bit more harsh in your tone Sometimes it's, as women or children, yes. we're much more sensitive to tone. Yes. And I sometimes can think you're angry when you're not even really angry. Feel strongly about something. Yeah, uh, and it's it's important for me to not personalize that because I want you to be passionate about life. Yeah. I don't want you to live dead or going through the motions or shut down. Um, you know, so 
when you're irritated or frustrated or angry about something, but you're not really sinning in your anger. Um, I mean, I just I just don't want to personalize it. I want to give you some freedom to be able to say, I feel angry. And I, I think for me, um, you know, anger, anger's an empowering emotion. So I told you in one of the earlier podcasts, early in marriage, I mean, I didn't really like that feeling of being vulnerable. So that put me in a place where I would, I mean, I would actually choose anger because it's more empowering. Like it's it's kind of protective. That'd be a misuse of anger. And that, yes. And in, in the end, that, you know, hurt our marriage, just like you not living with anger. Right. Me powering up to kind of protect myself sometimes with anger hurt our marriage. So, And I think sometimes men in our culture today, um, in, in Christian men, they may be embracing more of a passivity that because of this damage that anger does instead of embracing anger to be protective mm-hmm. towards the, the people in their world who God has called them to protect. And if they don't do it, then by golly, the wife may be doing it, and she's the angry one. And what's wrong with her? Mm-hmm. Instead of you're the one who needs to live out your anger in strength. And so it is a it's a powerful, dangerous emotion. But unlike other emotions, perhaps that don't have to be dealt with, it has to be dealt with. You have to be able to. You cannot ignore it. And maybe that's Paul's exhortation there too. Be angry, but don't sin. He does. You don't have to say that about, well, be happy, but don't sin. Or be joyful, but don't sin. You don't do that with those emotions. But with anger, you've you got to deal with it. Well, you know, a good illustration that's often mm-hmm. given is that anger can be like fire. Yes. It can be. It can destroy yeah. Or it can be used for good. And I, I always use the illustration often of just thinking about mothers of drunk drivers. And I think I've said that in a different podcast where we talked about anger before. was started by a bunch of angry mothers who mm-hmm. had lost their child. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, was under their anger was a lot of pain mm-hmm. and a lot of loss. But they did something good out of that. So um, that that's what I think Paul's saying here is your anger can— destroy, you know, start a fire, or it it can bring warmth and heat and light and, you know, life if you identify it and then you use it for good. Because we can use all of the emotions God's given us for good, but it takes thought about what would that look like to manage that in that way. So I would say, just in moving on to the next point, so anger can do a lot of harm in a marriage. In our marriage, a part of our DNA Anger has um, become a part of it that does good. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's an anger that is done in such a way where I'm not sinning with it when it's doing good. It's controlled. It could even have a gentleness to it, but it's very much a present part of us. So the next thing that I have here is forgiveness. The scriptures tell believers that we are forgiven and yet understanding exactly what this means has done wonders for me. And I think you would say for our marriage. And Mm -hmm. so let me say a few words here about forgiveness. So basically, I'm forgiven by God, not because of anything in me or any works by me, but solely on the basis of Jesus' work on the cross. 
The theological term is justification. Galatians 2.16 says, We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not anything I've done. It's what he's done for me. My forgiveness is based upon what God has done. And you said this same truth resonated with you at some point, you know, well after the time you were a believer. It it just very clear, and it's done the same with me, or it did with me, and the result is very freeing. Mm -hmm. Paul says it in Romans 8.1. He says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So forgiveness is so important for us, for me, because I can receive forgiveness, not because I deserve it, not because I've been good enough, in in the ways that I've sinned against you from God first, and then also from you, um, when instead of realizing I'm forgiven not on anything I've done, um, I, in the past, or, you know, perhaps still struggle with that I could, you know, live with a lot of shame or a lot of guilt, except instead of knowing I'm forgiven, mm-hmm. and therefore I can be forgiven. And then to carry that through is that's my ability to forgive you um, is because I've been forgiven. And that's the gospel, and that's the power of the gospel in our marriage. Mm-hmm. We go to it again and again and again. We live with that all the time because of, you know, sins that come up, you know, when when we have an argument over something and I lose, you know, I, I get impatient with you or get angry in a way that I shouldn't. I mean, if if it wasn't for being forgiven— because of Christ, then I couldn't work it off. I couldn't do enough for it. So that's that's the biggest principle there. And part of it, Wardy, wouldn't you say the importance too is that if you're defined by your sin, mm-hmm. then our marriage becomes defined by your sin mm-hmm. or mine. Mm-hmm. Where forgiveness lets us be defined by mm-hmm. you know the work. Of Jesus. Of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's the way we can keep moving forward mm-hmm. and keep, I can enter back into life tomorrow with mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. Um, even though today we've sinned against each other and it's been a rough day because, you know, I'm um, forgiven and you're forgiven. So. And I think I, I, it, it, our understanding of this, it didn't occur all at once. It's something that has occurred with our maturing in Christ, understanding what he's done for us, but then applying it. And so we bring that into our marriage in that where years ago we might have been in a a fight or a bad cycle that went on for periods of days or weeks or so forth because we we couldn't move on Mm -hmm. where this has allowed us to be able to understand we can keep moving forward even though we're both very aware that you know we've sinned but that it's not it's for it's it's forgiven mm-hmm. so i encourage people to work through that you know don't this isn't this isn't one of those things that just happens quickly something that's ongoing mm-hmm. 
got any other thoughts? Well, I think I told you the other day, we were actually <clears throat> talking about this, and I told you I can remember actually where I was sitting, where I was when it hit me that I knew the gospel message, but I didn't know the freedom of the gospel message, or I knew Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but I didn't believe it was sufficient for my sins. And because I didn't really get that, even though I, I'd known Christ, I knew, um, you know, all these truths, um, it manifested itself, I think, in ways where, you know, I didn't want to admit I did anything wrong, or I wanted to excuse my behavior if I did something wrong by focusing on your behavior. Um, or, you know, I would just work really hard to try and atone for my own sin or, you know, beat myself up internally and work harder if I could just get this right and do this different next time. And it was just a life changer and a marriage changer for me to, you know, think, wow, this is really why Christ died. I mean, this this is the gospel message. It's not just about, you know, I'm saving myself so I go to heaven when I die. This is so, um, <clears throat> you know, God can do this. He's already done this work in me. And, you know, I, I right, am did, forgiven. And he didn't just save you so you can go to heaven. This is this is the work that has power right now, right mm-hmm. today. So I can see the truth about me. I mean, that is so, this is what I'm saying. This is the freedom of God's atoning work of taking my place on that cross is I can see the truth about me because I already have a Redeemer. You can see the truth about you because you have a Redeemer and who's paid that price. And so I stand before you forgiven you stand before me forgiven. And so I can own my stuff and I can say, please forgive me. And then I think we need to cross over into what you said earlier, but just expand a little bit on it. I can extend forgiveness because I'm forgiven. And I mean, this is all the way through scripture that we are commanded to forgive because we've been forgiven. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's in Colossians 3, I think. I mean, you know, we can look at the... um, parable story in Matthew 18, that we are to forgive because, um, you know, we've been um, forgiven. And Luke 7, the woman who had been forgiven much, mm-hmm. and, and then that outplayed in the way that she lived because she'd been forgiven much. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's, we start with us being forgiven because it, it, it's like in Matthew 18, if I don't see myself accurately as this wretched servant who needs forgiven, then I'm going to be too proud, really, to want to extend forgiveness. Right. I'm, I'm the worst sinner I know. Yes. It's not you're the worst sinner I know. Mm-hmm. And all of us, because we know ourselves better than anybody else, need to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. And no relationship can grow or flourish long-term um, if the flames of bitterness and resentment and scorekeeping are flaring mm-hmm. up. I mean, it's not going to happen. And I think this is why it's a command in Scripture. It's not like you should forgive or it's a good idea to forgive. I mean, it's a command that we um, forgive. And one of the things we do in counseling is often I think we help people you know, work through what forgiveness is. And it's it's not saying that what the person did is okay. It's not the same thing as trusting. It's not enabling sinful behavior. 
Um, and, you know, it's it's really that obeying God and releasing, you know, myself from the bondage of living with that heart full of resentment or bitterness or scorekeeping um, that, you know, basically keeps me tied to that person in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and, and I think about the fact that people make the choice to hurt us and, you know, that causes us pain. But in unforgiveness, we're making the choice to hurt us when we hold on to it and rehe- rehearse it and nurse it. And, um, you know, there's a new book out. And there's a lot of good books on forgiveness, I think, um, out there. But Lisa Turkhurst has a new one out called um, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Mm. And uh, she says that forgiveness is both a decision and a process, which we know that. Mm-hmm. But I really like how she says it. She says, all we need to bring is our willingness to forgive, not the fullness of all our restored feelings. Mm. So sometimes we want to wait to forgive till I feel right better about this or I and she's saying we just have to be willing and then we make the decision to forgive the facts of what happened and um, but then we must also walk through the process of forgiveness for the impact those facts have had upon us and we do this with each other and often you know with those that we counsel for our marriage it's critical to the DNA of our marriage Um, she gives an illustration in her book that's helpful in understanding that And I'm not reading it, so I might not have it word for word here. But one of the things she says is consider if you're in a, you know, you're hit by, um, I can't remember if it's a drunk driver or just a negligent driver, and in a car accident, and like you break, I think her illustration's a leg. Like I'm not going to remember this exactly, but she's saying that broken leg is, is the injury. So you have to forgive him for the fact of the, car accident and the broken leg, but then you have to continue to forgive the impact of that when you go to your closet and you see your running shoes and you can't run because you're recovering from this injury. And that recovering takes a long time. So you're you're forgiving for the impact over and over again, even though initially you're forgiving for the fact of what happened, which was the negligent car driver. I think that just, you know, dovetails into that forgiveness is something that um, is something that we have to do over and over again. It's mm-hmm. a practice. It's a part of it for that reason. Sometimes there's one initial issue that happens, but then it's <laughs> the impact of it is ongoing. Now, right. sometimes the we could be sinned against ongoing, but Jesus says in commands, how, when asked by Peter, how many times should I forgive? Seven times 70. Jesus said an innumerable amount of times, again and again and again, because it's a practice and it's what guards our hearts. It's what guards our marriage. It's what guards relationships. And it's been essential, you know, for the DNA of our marriage. And just as I move on to the next one, just note that as we talk about forgiveness, we're not saying, well, I just need to always say, well, I forgive you. I forgive you. Or, you know, please forgive me, please forgive me. Mm -hmm. No, forgiveness starts with Jesus and we've been forgiven of horrific things and deep things that are, you know, part of who we are. And then from that, there's a great freedom that we offer to others, kind of a settled forgiveness. So it's, it's a heart work, but it's been very important in our 
marriage. You have something else well, before I'm just move saying on. it costs Christ's life. Yes. And when I forgive you, it costs me something. Yes. You know, um, at some level. Yes. And, um, you know, there's the, so it can't just be. It's like you're saying, right. I forgive you. Right. Please it forgive has to me. Be settled. There, there is a cost. There's a settledness to it. to it. When I when I talk about this, there's a settledness because of what Jesus did, and that we can settle into it. So let me move to a third one for the, this will be the last one we talk about today. But it, the word I use is serving. So I've talked about anger. I've talked about forgiveness, and then this last one is serving. Um, I I heard that I'm to love my wife and serve her before I got married and throughout my life. That's a principle that's championed. And, and Jesus, that was your dad. Yeah, and he, he and he did that well. <laughs> Very well, yeah. Lo- loved seeing that and learning from him in that. Of course, Jesus is the prime example of serving others who not only commanded that we serve, but he lived it out. He said in Matthew 20, 28, that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so service is the DNA of one of the things that contributes to the DNA of our marriage. And, you know, it's part of my personality. Mm -hmm. It's part of who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But it took on practical application for me when I made it a commitment in our marriage to make sure that um, I never rested until you rested. Which is a bad thing to say because I'm a go, go, go person. <laughs> and and so this is why this would be unique to us. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it wouldn't necessarily be true to everybody. But for me as your husband, talking mm-hmm. about things that I've thought of that helped me mm-hmm. in our marriage, it was to look at you and to say, if I'm going to keep up with this girl, I'm going to have to really get after it, right? And it's and it, it was a commitment that, you know, practically, if the dishes were still dirty, I, I, I washed the dishes. I made sure that got done. Um, if the bed wasn't made, I made the bed. You're better at it than me, too. <laughs> if it, but, but here, so those are really practical things that are a little more tangible. But here's a, here's one. If, if you were having a hard time, then then I would at least inquire. I wouldn't just ignore it or wouldn't say get over it. I would at least inquire as to what was going on in case it's something I could help with. You know, now I learned that I can't help with everything. I'm not trying, able to fix everything, but I can at least pause. And so service, serving you, seeing you as, you know, in is is the person in my life, that the priority in my life that I apply this with um, is, I think, really helped us. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to offer that it can get a little twisted if I make an idol out of serving. In other words, I'm such a great guy because I serve you and don't ask anything else of me becomes my mindset. Um, because there are times where I need to step into some other things that uh, even if the laundry doesn't get done or something around the house doesn't get done, that's not what's is most important. If I leave you alone to struggle, I mean, sometimes it's it's important that I just let you struggle and have a hard time. 
Mm-hmm. I cannot do something about it. So I don't want to say I'm always supposed to serve you in such a way that your life is never difficult or hard. No, your life. Well, that would be being my savior. And and that's what I'm saying. It, it yeah, can get twisted. It, it can, yeah. But the reason it's helped me and my thinking is it's caused me to think more about the ways that I take responsibility for us. I'm thinking of you and not just assuming, well, this is Danina's job, I, that, that it's my place to enter into your life like a servant would for somebody who he cares for and um, is his responsibility in his life. Any thoughts on serving? I just think that when God's Word would ask you to love me like Christ loves the church, He gave His life up for her. That's part of what you're, you know, you're you're talking about mm-hmm. here. That I, I think Christ was a servant leader. Mm-hmm. He was a leader, but he was a servant. And I think leader, the- and I and I think that would look different for different men and different marriages. Um, and exactly what all that looks like, but it's, I just know the thoughtfulness toward me and what's going on in my life, you know, has made a big difference. And would you, I would say men have to think about this perhaps more than women because of the way we're made, you know, that I think it's a little more natural to you to come alongside or want to. There, I mean, that's probably an overstatement that there's women out there who need to serve their husbands a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm saying it's probably different for different okay. personalities and, okay. and you know, DNAs. I think, um, you know, f- for you, that's, that's just also, I think, kind of your love language. So it's, it's also true. what you do. Um, and like you said, your personality, um, you know, f- for me, I think some of where the growth has come in our marriage is you've had to learn to um, let me help you and come alongside you. You aren't always and haven't always been good at, you know, letting me or other people serve you. Yeah, that's been, I'm glad you bring that up because it's important to, in marriage, to allow yourself to be served by your spouse. Mm -hmm. That's why I think it would come out the way it does in our particular marriage because it's it has to be both the giving and the receiving side of it. You mm-hmm. you have to serve, but you also have to be good at receiving mm-hmm. um, that too, so that you know both people are able to love each other in that manner. All right. Well, those are the things I have for uh, things I brought up, and I have a few more, and we're going to get that to that in our next podcast. Thank you again for joining Worley and Danina today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Worley and Danina, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Just a quick reminder that Worley and Danina have their four-part video series entitled Effective Communication available for sale on their website. These videos are available for download or streaming through a private Vimeo link that will be sent to you upon purchase. Thank you again so much for tuning in today. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website. 
God bless.